Everything that we know about Christ's birth, all the details from the Annunciation at Nazareth to the stable at Bethlehem come from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Without them, there would be no scenes of angels and shepherds, no baby in a crib, though there would have been a baby, no wise men come to offer gifts, and certainly no Gloria in excelsis, because uh, no come all ye faithful, no silent night, no hark the herald angels sing, because all of these Matthew and Luke provide from the theological imagination, at least to our theological imagination. St. Mark was not interested in the birth of Christ or the hidden years at Nazareth. I can say that with complete confidence, if only because his gospel begins with the adult Christ, a man of perhaps 30 years, suddenly appearing in Galilee like a bolt out of the blue, preaching repentance. That leaves the fourth gospel, the gospel of John. Now, if all we had was John's gospel, we could still celebrate a feast of Christmas because, after all, every baby is born. But it would probably look a lot different, maybe even radically different, than it does today. Saints Matthew and Luke give us the, both the historical background and the human interest story. And it's not that they are indifferent to the theology behind the Christmas story, but they give us the theology filtered through the participants, like, let's say, actors in a play. All of these actors, from the Archangel Gabriel, who announces to the Virgin Mary that she will conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit, down to King Herod, who tries to destroy the child and everyone in between, all of them testify to the fact that this is no ordinary baby. The circumstances of his conception and birth are unusual. Certainly, there are mysterious comings and goings from angels in heaven and magi from the east. There are hints of powerful spiritual and political forces aligned against him. And all this is a portent of what is to come when, as an adult, he will be betrayed into the hands of his enemies and crucified as a public nuisance. But for those who have faith, he is none other than the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. And more, the circumstances of his unusual and miraculous birth also tell us that he is God in human flesh, infinity poured into the tiny body of a baby. St. John may not tell us about the details of the Christmas story, but he does tell us what the birth of Christ ultimately means. His concern is with the deeper theological meaning of Christ's incarnation. Strip away Matthew and Luke's narrative, as John seems to do, and this is what we get. Jesus of Nazareth is the incarnate presence of the incomprehensible Holy Other God in human flesh on earth. Incomprehensible because God does not exist within creation, cannot be mapped within creation, wholly other because God is not subject to time or limited by space. But when the, the word, the logos, becomes flesh, all that changes. God comes among us as a human being unashamed to wear a diaper. 
He breathes the same air as everybody, every living creature, shares the same natural biological processes as every human being, and ultimately dies our own death. And he does it out of love. And this is the crucial part. He is not taken by death, but gives himself freely up to it for the life of the world. This is where Christian theology really begins. The self-offering, the willing self-offering of Christ on the cross. The mystery of his incarnation and birth cannot be separated from the mystery of his death and resurrection. They're all of a single piece. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John may begin the story at different points and tell it from different perspectives, but they all end up in the same place, a cross on Good Friday and an empty tomb on Easter Sunday morning. Christmas is our true vocation revealed to us. Whether we look at the child in the manger or the man hanging on the cross, we see not only who God is, but we see who we are meant to be.